You are listening to the Manifesting God podcast with your host, Marie Elizabeth. This podcast will uplift and thrust you into the manifestation of the promises of God in your life. Good evening and thank you so much for joining the Manifesting God podcast again on this Monday evening. So let's go ahead and pick up where we left off last week, just a bit of a review. We were talking about the enemy of my faith. We were referring to the spirit of deception. While we have many enemies to our faith, specifically, specifically, we are talking about the spirit of deception. We were in Joshua 1, where it starts with verse 1, uh, I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, this is Joshua, uh, God talking to Joshua, and he says in verse 4, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the West. We note here, our note from this particular scripture is telling us that every place that God gives us has limits. So we understand first that we have limitations. That is very important to understand because when we're talking about the spirit of deception, that spirit can make you believe you have no limitations. You can do and you can be in Christ wherever it is that you believe you should be, even if it's not according to the will of God for your life. And if you decide, if you take upon yourself, let's say the gift of apostle or the gift of a pastor, and that is not where God called you, there could be some issues. The first issue you're going to come in combat with that's going to approach you is the spirit of deception because you are not where you're supposed to be and you decided it. You decided it. So you opened the door for deception. So it's important to know that every place that God gives us, every place that our feet shall touch, that God says is ours, that indeed we do have limitations. See, he says here, every place that your feet shall touch, that uh, it, it where you set your foot, that's where you, you know, I, that's where your promise will lie. So then our question becomes to God, or I should say, as I promised Moses, he said, I will give you every place where you're, where you set your foot. The key question here is to ask God to help me place my foot in the places that you have given me. That's what you want to know from God, because you don't want to think that every place you go is all yours. It's all yours. And then he says, and then another note that we had regarding this teaching on last week, 
was, uh, let's see, let's go to verse 16, where it says, then they asked Joshua, wherever you, then they answered Joshua, the people answered Joshua, wherever you have commanded us, we will do. I'm still reviewing from last week. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as uh, we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord, your God, be with you as he was with was with Moses. Verse 18 says, whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. So another note we gathered here was we have to be careful with our freedom of choice that it doesn't override the promises of God. We want to be very clear that what we are choosing is not making null and void the promises of God because that people said, whatever you command us. That's what we're going to do. So what are they saying here? We're waiting on the command. We're waiting on the command. Whatever you command us, that's what we will do. We're not going to exalt our choice over what you command because we respect you as one that God has put in front of us to give us the command as to what exactly our choice should look like, exactly where our choice will be, where the fruit of our choice, where our choices will yield fruit, where our choices will yield fruit. So we have to be very careful that we don't allow our freedom of choice to override the promises of God. And then we had another note here where we noted that deception, it enters in at the point of the misguided covenant, the misguided covenant, or we could say the misguided agreement, the misguided loyalties. Uh, that's where the spirit of deception can enter in. And we were referring then to uh, Joshua and when he told the people in verse 15 that, I mean, when God told him to be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land, for when they prostitute themselves to their gods and sacrifice to them, they will also invite you and you will eat of that. You will eat their sacrifices. In verse 16, it says, and not to marry of the culture when you choose some of their daughters as wives for your sons and those daughters prostitute themselves to their gods they will lead your sons to do the same and verse 17 simply says don't make any don't make any idols so deception will enter in at the point of misguided uh, loyalty at that point where you begin to, instead of casting down and out that which is in your territory and taking charge over your territory, instead you make treaty with them as Joshua did. You make treaty with them or you, be, which presents a whole nother set of issues because now the people are a part of the culture. The people are a part of your work to God. The people are a part of your life. Now we're marrying into their culture. Now we're married into their culture and whatever they, they serve, whatever God they serve, whatever their idols are, they become our idols. You know, there's a scripture that talks about being unequally yoked. That is applicable here because we will find that if we're not proper in proper relationship, 
Now, I'm not talking about the husband. The Bible talks about the wife that is married to the husband that is not saved or the husband that's married to the wife that's not saved, that they become sanctified, as it were, by the faith of the wife. I'm not referring to that. I'm referring to going into a land where God has designated as yours. And when he tells you, uh, let's let's give an example of we go into the world. We are to go ye into all the world and we are to be disciples of men. So it is not our job to uh, come into agreement with the ways of the world. We are not to make treaty with those in the world. We are not to come into agreement with them and their gods. We are not to deliberately on purpose marry into the culture because when we marry into the culture, then the God they serve becomes the God we serve what is important to them now becomes important to us what they with the things that they like to do if that's not the gathering of the saints if that's not things that uh that bring god glory then we are now a part of what the things that they like to do that no that do not bring god glory so we have to be very careful of the covenants that we enter into because deception enters at the point of the guided covenant. And then another note we noted was deception then affirms the covenant through misguided worship, through misguided worship. See, because uh, what happened with um, God telling them in the land that they were going to, he told them to not make a treaty. I've said that where you're going with the people there, and he told them to break down their altars. He told them to smash their sacred stones and cut down their poles. And I said that that was important to note because uh, in this particular scenario, <clears throat> they're putting someone in the place of God. They're putting other representation of other gods in the place of God. And to worship them would mean that you came into agreement, which means you made a treaty, which means you have a covenant with them. And remember, because Satan mimics everything that is God, a place for this agreement would, in this case, be that treaty or that covenant or that covenant. So you find yourself you could possibly find yourself rebuilding the Ark of the Covenant. Remember in Joshua 1, and we talked about the fact that the people were to follow the Ark of the Covenant, that they were to stay at least uh, 3,000 feet behind the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And there is where I stated that there are some of us that are following too closely, and then there's others that's following too far away. Those that are following too far away are looking for or can be captivated by anything that's in between them and the Ark of the Covenant. And remember the Ark of the Covenant represents God. And then those that are following too closely on the priest's hill, now they're getting mixed up as to who God actually is, who they actually should be following. So now they're following so closely on the priest that now we get a case of mistaken identity where the priest is mistaken for the, for the God that they're carrying and they receive the worship and they receive the praise. Now we have deception that has entered in and that's a Affirmed through misguided worship. We see that in our churches today, where the people, where there are people, there are some people that are, are that 
that their their praise is more towards the woman or more towards the man that is in front of them in the pulpit than toward God. And God's name, God's name is jealous. We learned on last week. He is a jealous God. He's not going to have anyone before him. So by making that leader your God, you have in fact made them an idol and you've entered. And when you're not corrected, now you've entered into a covenant. You've created a covenant. You've created a false covenant with them. And now you have misguided worship because that which you worship is not God. It is instead that leader. So we have to be very careful of that because once we enter into that covenant, that misguided, that, uh, that, uh, misguided covenant, now we're entering into a misguided worship. Okay. And then we also understood another note we have here that deception establishes a treaty. Deception wants you to come into agreement with it. You ever uh, in your travels meet people that say they are in God, they are where the people of God are, but their actions and their words don't quite line up with that you know to be God, that which that type of relationship, that loving relationship that you expect from God. It's like... um. It's like uh, when when people refer to going to a church and the usher is me. That relationship doesn't line up with that of God. They're not welcoming. They're not they're not serving you by showing you to a seat. Instead, it's like you're bothering them. That is a person that's not in relationship with God. See, deception will have you agreeing and signing off on a treaty on a new covenant. Remember, it's all of the enemy. A new covenant. I have to mimic whatever God is doing. So God has a covenant. I have a covenant. So they want to get you into a false covenant with them, into false agreement. And there we were talking about how the folks came and they they got old bread and they had, they had old clothes on torn. And they said that they had traveled for miles and where Joshua and his team could have question them more and ask more questions and uncover their deception. Or how about this? They could have inquired of God. They did none of that. Excuse me. They did none of that. Instead, they just took them at their word. And when they took them at their word, they discovered later that they'd been deceived. And Joshua cursed those people and told them, you will, you will be, they're basically becoming their servants. They basically had to become their servants. But here's, here's the kicker here. They actually became servants that served at the altar. So those were jobs. Those were roles that were for the people of God that now basically the people that were the, those that had uh, had deceived them. Now deception had a role at the altar. Do you understand? Where's that? Let me get that scripture so I can show you what I'm talking about. The Bible tells us that they had put on patched sandals on their feet. They had on old clothes. They had their food supply was dry and moldy and everything. And then they said that they told Joshua and his team, we came from a distant country, make a treaty with us. And they said, well, what if you, we don't know that you could live near us. 
This is what the Israelites said to the Hivites. You can live near us. And they said that, well, well, no, we don't, we don't live, we don't live near you. We've come from afar. We're your servants. We're your servants. They didn't know how right they were. We're your servants, they said to Joshua. And Joshua asked again, who are you and where do you come from? And they said again, we're your servants. We've heard about the things that God had done for you. And we've come to be of a service to you. You know, and they said, our elders, they told us, do you know, to take provisions for our journey and go over there. And they kept insisting, make a treaty with us, make a treaty with us. Then they got into detail. The bread was warm when we left. We packed it at home the day we left to come to you. But now see how dry and moldy it is. They said, and these wineskins, they were filled. They were new, but see how cracked they are. So they really begin to lean into their deception, even to the point where the Israelites, when they started to believe them, they started sampling their provisions in verse 14, but they still never asked God. They still never asked God before they made the treaty with them. Then after after they made the treaty with the Gibeonites, after they made the treaty with them, then they found that, that they lived right next to them. That's what they, they found this out. Then you had an issue where the assembly began to grumble against the leader. They were upset. And I said there, you have to be very careful leaders who you come into treaty with, because sometimes everybody's not grumbling because of a rebuke that you gave them. Everybody's not grumbling because they're upset about something you've said over the pulpit. Sometimes they're grumbling because you've entered into an ungodly treaty, an ungodly covenant, a covenant that now has set them on edge and they're unable to voice that to you. So, but now that Joshua had made an oath, he couldn't take it back. He said, we gave them our oath. We cannot touch them now. And he said, this is what we'll do. This is what we'll do. We'll let them live so that God's wrath doesn't fall on us for breaking our oath that we swore to them. We'll let them live, but there'll be woodcutters. There'll be water carriers in the service of the whole assembly. So the leaders promised were kept. So they began to be water carriers in the service of the whole assembly. So they made them work for them. They made them work for them. But see, now the enemy has access. Now the enemy has access to the things of God, to the people of God. So you can imagine for generations down the road, this what this affected them because eventually some of them swayed away as Israelites did and they begin to marry in the culture. They begin to give their sons and daughters in that culture and then their gods begin to infiltrate their relationship with the with their Lord God Almighty began to infiltrate that relationship. And while he put them under a curse, they still had that access. So uh, the next point, and I believe this is the point where I stopped at on last week, and um, we were, I was referring to in this particular point, um, deception, it tends to, and I'm moving ahead, um, deception tends to override. It tends to override because it has it has its 
own, it has its own strategy. So all victories at this point are suddenly being lost. The promises of God can be altered and whining and weakness replace strength and trust. And how do we know this? We know this because Israel knew their land assignments and they understood that God's promises and uh, their, they understood God's promises and they understood their part in God's promises, but they didn't always follow through. See, God gave Joshua a strategy and uh, the strategy I'm referring to is the one in Joshua 5 when they um, went up against Jericho and the people, they saw this strategy and they were a part of it firsthand. So we were in one and two and now we've skipped down to Joshua 5 and it says here in Joshua 5 and 5, or five and one, I'm sorry. Now it happened when all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over their hearts melted in despair. And there was no fighting spirit in them any longer because of the Israelites and what God had done for them. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make for yourself flint knives and circumcise uh, this is a new generation, remember, uh, the sons of Israel, as was done before. So Joshua, he made flint knives. He did as he was instructed. He circumcised the sons of Israel at Gibeath Haraloth. Haraloth. This is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. The word of God tells us all the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war had died in the wilderness along the way they left Egypt. All the males, verse five says, who came out, they were circumcised, but all the males who were born in the wilderness on the way as they left Egypt had not been circumcised. For the Israel's, Israelites had walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, that is the men of war who came out of Egypt died because they did not listen to the voice of the Lord. To them, the Lord has sworn an oath. So that oath said that you're not going to be able to see the land that he promised and uh, flowing with milk and honey. And, and verse seven, it says, so their uncircumcised sons whom he raised up in their place whom Joshua circumcised because circumcision had not been performed along the way. And after he finished circumcising them all, in verse nine, it says, the Lord said to Joshua, this day I have rolled away the reproach, derision, the ridicule of Egypt from you. So the name of that place is called Gilgal, rolling to this day. Here's something I want you to, to notice real quick in this particular verse that the Lord said to Joshua after they were circumcised, this day I have rolled away the reproach. I want you to be clear that this generation came after, came after the generation that disobeyed God. They died in the wilderness, but this generation made it out of the wilderness. They made it out of the wilderness and they were headed into the promise. They were headed into the promise. But even though I want you to be clear that you can make it out of the wilderness without being cut, but you can't make it to the promise without being cut. You have to be cut 
to get to the promise. You have to be cut to get to the promise. Uh, verse 10 says, while the Israelites camped at Gilgal, they observed the Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the month on the desert plains. So I want, I, like I said, I, just, I, I can't drill that enough. They made it out of the wilderness. Their forefathers did not because they rose up against God. They would not follow. They 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 got engaged in, in, in idolatry and everything that they could that God told them not to do. They would not be obedient to God. This generation, the next generation, they made it out of the wilderness, but they couldn't receive the promise until they were cut, until they were cut. So for all of us that want to run away from being cut by our leaders, from being disciplined, from being a discipled one, a disciplined one. We want to run away from that. It's going to be very difficult for you to receive the promise. Oh yeah, you're going to make it out of the wilderness, but you won't have the promise. You won't have the promise. So I want I want you to be clear that right now we're talking about deception and deception. It has its own followers. It has its own followers. And uh, what I want you to see here is that before they could go into battle, they had to be circumcised. This was the initial part, them going to Jericho, them crossing and getting ready to take the promise that they had to fight for. So they had to be cut and then they had to fight. And then they still had to fight for the promise. So it still wasn't handed. They had to fight for, you had to be cut just to qualify to fight for the promise. You had to be cut just to qualify to fight for the promise, to fight for the promise. Now, let me show you here a reason why they had to be cut. When you go to verse six, um, when you go to Joshua six and chapter six, the reason that I see here, I'm sorry, chapter six, verse one, when you go to Joshua chapter six, verse one, one of the reasons I see here and believe that they had to be cut just to qualify to fight for the promise, because in order to win the battle, there was a strategy that God employed, a, a strategy that was given to Joshua by God himself, a strategy. And, and it's very important to pay attention to this. It says that in verse one of Joshua six, now Jericho, a fortified city with high walls was tightly closed because of the people's fear of the sons of Israel. No one went out or came in. So Jericho was shut down because they didn't want to be taken over. They knew that they were coming for them. So they shut everything down. So the Lord said to Joshua, see, I've given you giving Jericho into your hand with his king and his mighty men. Now, most of us, if we came up against something that was tightly closed and, and nothing seemed to get in or out, we would think that that's not the place for us. When in actuality, that is actually the point of where the fight incurs. This is the point where the strategy begins, where the strategy begins. So the Lord said to Joshua, and I'm on verse three now, now you shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once. You shall do this one each day for six days. So for six days, one time, march around the city, very specific. 
Also, seven priests shall carry seven trumpets made of ram's horns ahead of the ark. Then on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times and the priests shall blow the trumpets. When they make a long blast with the ram's horn and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall cry out with a great shout, a battle cry, and the wall of the city shall fall in, down in its place and the people shall go up each man going straight ahead, climbing over the rubble. Note something here. The Lord said to Joshua in verse two, the Lord said to Joshua, he didn't say to everyone. He said it to Joshua. So that would mean he didn't say it directly to the people. He only said it to Joshua. As we go down, we're going to see how necessary it is, it was that Joshua cut, that Joshua cut. See, because when you think about the conquest of Jericho, this is their first conquest. This is the first fight. So we can't just look at what was done. We have to look at how it's done because they just came out of the 40 years. They just came out of the wilderness or 37 and a half. They just came out of the wilderness. They just been cut by Joshua. This group of people, this is their first fight, their first fight. So we want to pay attention to not just what they did, but how they did it. There was a proximity change. The people were now close enough to the priests and Joshua that when Joshua heard a specific sound of the trumpets, the people performed a battle cry. We want to pay attention to that because God told Joshua when the people get when the uh, when the when the trumpet on the seventh day march around the city seven times and the priest shall blow the trumpet when they make a long blast with the ram's horn and when you hear the sound of the trumpet all the people shall uh, cry out with a great shout. He told Joshua when you hear it. He didn't say when the people hear it. He said, when you hear it, then the people shall cry out. That means that Joshua had to issue a command. He had to issue us instruction that they had to follow. So now he's in proximity of the people. They can hear him when he cries out, but when he yells out the command that they are to take action. So that means that if you're thinking that a leader, that the victory is solely yours, you're sadly mistaken. Perhaps you, uh, your revisit to the wilderness is because you don't yet understand the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, perhaps the lack of victory is because of a lack of strategy. Joshua listened to what God told him to do. See, you must have a covenant before the strategy, since the application of the strategy requires more than one, uh, more than one person, more than just you. So Joshua had to be able to make that command to the people. But what if they walked away at the point of being cut? 
What if they walked away at the point of being cut? See, him circumcising them solidified the relationship. It solidified their ability to hear. It solidified their ability to follow his instruction. It gave them a discipline, a respect, just submitting to the circumcision, just to submit to the circumcision. And then with the leader, with uh, the instructions that God gave Joshua, it made it clear. It requires the people. It requires the people. When you hear the trumpet, I'm giving you the instruction. But when you hear the trumpet, the people are the one that has to yell. This the people. So you need the people. And you need people that have been cut. You need people that have been cut. And what it comes down to is as the people, we have to understand, well, the leader as well has to understand the necessity of the cutting. One one is not going to understand the significance of the covenant. And if they can't understand the significance of the covenant, they won't value the strategy right? So if you can't get cut, you don't understand the covenant. If you don't have the covenant, then you can't comprehend the strategy. That's the people that are looking at the leader like, who do you think you are? You Why, why we got to do it that way? Why we got to do it like that? Why are you telling us this? Why? See, you ain't get cut. You didn't accept the cutting. When the cut day came around, you were somewhere wandering off in the wilderness and you came back after the cut. Now it's time to execute the strategy and you're asking questions. So we have to be very careful. Leader people, we have to understand the value of the cutting. We have to understand there's value in that because the people that will not allow you to be cut are people that will not respect the covenant. And if you don't respect the covenant, you have a, you're going to disregard the strategy. You're going to disregard the strategy, which means you'll never have the promise. Remember, I told you no cutting. Then the cutting comes before the fight. You don't even qualify for the fight. You don't even qualify for the fight to actually walk into the promise. You so, so don't, we don't, we don't even want to hear about the warfare that you're in. And I'm under, and I'm under attack by the enemy. Nope. He's not attacking you because he knows you don't understand. He don't have to fight you. He's already made a covenant with you. He's already made a treaty with you. So let's think about that the next time we decide on cut day to be absent. The next time that we decide that, see, listen, Joshua was making the knives and everything. Don't you think that the people saw him making the knives and they were like, what's he doing? What's he going to do with that? They had an opportunity to run. So you're going to know the cut day is coming soon. You're going to know when it's coming. And when you take the opportunity to to exit stage left, then that tells us that you, ma'am, sir, do not hold covenant relationship. You do not carry God, which means you would never comprehend the strategy of God. Why? Because of our sixth point, deception is unfaithful. It is unfaithful. It can't be committed. It can't be in relationship. It doesn't understand the necessity of relationship. It doesn't understand the necessity of unity. When the people had to cry out at Joshua's word, this person would be the person that would be standing there looking at the people like, it don't even take all of that. It don't even take all of that. 
See, you don't you don't comprehend unity. You don't comprehend why we must be together. You don't comprehend why we why we must fight together. Why we must all follow the instruction of the leader together. Not us together here and you way over there. Us together us together. We can't fight. You won't win a battle by yourself because you don't understand strategy, which means you don't understand covenant, which means you were never cut. You were never cut. Like I said, you were absent on that day. And now we have a case where deception is showing up and it's unfaithful. It is unfaithful. Faithful. Joshua 7 and 1. Joshua 7 and 1. Let's give an example of that. It says, but the sons of Israel acted unfaithfully. We're skipping ahead. We were in five. Now we're in seven. But the sons of Israel acted unfaithfully and they violated their obligation. They violated their covenant with God and their fellow Israelites in regard to the things that were off limit under the ban, those things that belong to the Lord. You know, the people of God that include your, that includes your leader, you know, the leaders that includes the people following you. And in this case, we're talking about Aiken. We're talking about Carmi. We're talking about Zabdi. We're talking about Zira from the tribe of Judah, where they took things during this during this invasion, they took things that were under the ban. They took it for their personal gain. See, because the person who deception has captivated, everything's about them. Everything's about their comfort. They don't care about the unity of the body of Christ. They don't care about fighting the battle together because they don't care about the covenant because they don't care about relationship because they were never cut. You see how I'm going right down it, that one thing affects the other. And we can't negate, we can't say that we got where we did not get cut, but we understand covenant. We can't say that um, we're a unity of the body, but we negate the strategy that is given to us by our leaders. We can't say that. We can't say that we're unified with the body and we're fighting together with the body of Christ, but we can't get you to, to uh, sow so that everyone has everything common. We can't get you to give God your talent because God gave it to you and you want to use it for your extracurricular activity. We can't get you to agree we can't get you to agree with your leader. We can't even get you to come into covenant with the leader. So we know you're not coming into covenant with the people of God. The people of God are on the left. You're on the right. The people of God are yelling at yelling, yelling at Joshua's command when Joshua tells them to yell. And you're just sitting there looking at him like, what are you doing? Why? You don't have to do all that. You don't even take all of that. You could just, you know, you could just raise your hand. You don't have to do the yell because because the leader said so. He's not the boss of you. See, you don't you you want you everything with you is about you. And the problem with that, or everything with you is about your idols, whatever you worship. So if the leader asks you one-on-one, you'll do it there, but you're not going to do it as part of the body, as part of the crowd when when the when the uh, leader is giving instruction to those uh gather, you're not going to do it as you don't want you don't want to be a part of the the general instruction you need separate instructions you know because you're you 
So we have to be very careful because that spirit of deception, it is unfaithful. It's unfaithful to the things of God, which means it's unfaithful to the covenant. It's unfaithful to the strategy of God and it's faithful to the unity of the body. It's unfaithful to the unity of the body, to body of Christ. It doesn't even believe in that unity. And leader, believe it or not, even though they've made you their idol, they're unfaithful to you. They're unfaithful to you because they don't love what you love, God. Because if I'm faithful, there's no way in the world I can say I love God and ignore my leader and ignore the people that uh, God loves or the, the body of Christ. There's no way I can do that. God is love as well as being a jealous God. So I care for the people of God because God cares for the people of God, because my leader cares for the people of God. And as a prophetess, you know, we are... I, for the most part, I say I'll say about me, I'm an introvert at my to my core, to my core. But my my leader has been able to birth that prophetess, but also been able to birth that pastor, that one that cares, that one that cares for the well-being of the people of God, that one that cares whether or not you get it or not. Whereas the prophet is, I could pretty much go, okay, you don't want to. Eh. Good luck to you and hope you make it. But the, there are times where I have to be that way. And then there's times where it's like, no, not now. You need to show a little more compassion. And then there's time where it's like, hey, prophetess, we need the prophet to show up. You know, so it's you have to be clear. And I could not be clear if I didn't have someone instructing me, if I didn't have someone giving me the strategies, if I didn't have uh, uh, someone teaching me how to operate in unity with the body of Christ, with the body of Christ. So, again, deception is unfaithful. And I was saying in Joshua 7 and 1. That Achan acted, acted unfaithfully. He did not, he was not committed to the, the body of Christ. He's not, he wasn't committed to his fellow Israelites. The whole camp began to suffer because of his choice of to make everything about me, to make everything about me. The anger of, therefore, the anger of the Lord burned, excuse me, against the Israelite, Israelites, the whole camp begin to suffer because one person created an idol that of themselves and they made everything about them. They made everything about what they needed to be convenient, what they needed to be comfortable and what uh, God had said was off limits. They said, not to me, because remember, they don't understand covenant relationship. So nothing was off limits to them, not even disrespecting the leader or disrespecting the God strategy that was given to them through their leader. That was not off limits to them. Why? Because they're unfaithful, only faithful to themselves. Aiken, of course, it means he that doubles, but it also means, it also means behind. It means uh, a, a place behind a place, a uh, hindered and afterwards of time. So they're behind a place. They are afterwards. Uh, and this is clear because after their success in Jericho, the Israelites, they attack the city of Ai. Joshua follows the same strategy. He says, spies the Ai who thought the city would be easy to take over, even easier than Jericho. And they suggested that, Jer that uh, Joshua only send two, 3,000 troops. Don't even send everybody. This is going to be easy. This is going to be easy. But Aiken's choices made it not so easy.
Aiken's choices made it difficult. Aiken's choice made them fail, made them fail. Yes, one person, one person, not in covenant, one person that didn't want to get cut, one person that negated the strategies of God, one person that negated the leader's instruction when he gave them that strategy, one person caused the whole body to fail caused the whole body, leader included, caused Joshua to fail, caused them to lose the victory. So if we're revisiting the definition of Achan, it is one who troubles, one who is behind in place and time and a hindrance. And most of all, one who can cause a failed victory. It is not lost in this discussion, discussion the impact or the victory which was lost by simply ignoring a covenant, ignoring the covenant, negating the value of discipline, of the cutting, negating it, completely throwing it out, uh, completely not being obedient to strategy. See, as leaders, you have to be able to identify that aching spirit in the followers and not allow it. Not don't don't allow your love to minimize that which can derail the vision that God has given. So if your vision is flowing, you got people is not flowing, and you have people around you that you know can support that vision, and God has given you a strategy through which the, to uh, <clears throat> execute that vision and you are in covenant with God and those people that are supporting that vision, that are contributing to that vision, they are. They say they're in covenant with God, but yet that vision is not taking off. That vision, it is, it is, it, it is leaving you uh, without victory. Look for the aching in your camp. Look for the aching that is that has uh, minimized and derailed the vision that God has given you. <clears throat> because if the vision, if you are not being victorious leader in that vision, somewhere in that camp, somebody's only about them. Somebody is only about what concerns them. Somebody is only about what's in their best interest. Somebody has touched that which God said not to touch. Is it you, leader? Did, did, did somebody touch you that wasn't supposed to touch you? Is somebody being disrespectful to your vision and they're still, they're still being allowed to, to serve and be a part of your your intricate detail we have to be be very very clear on what's around us and what's uh working and supporting the vision that god has given us because sometimes what is derailing us most time it's what we love it's what we love what you love is derailing you. What you're, what you're uh, extending mercy to that even God has stopped extending mercy to is what's derailing your vision. And what you don't want to find yourself in the place in a place of which uh, some leaders did after COVID is where God has essentially fired you. 
You don't want to find yourself in that place. You can ignore the pink sheet, but you don't want to find yourself in that place where God has fired you. If you don't have a spirit of confrontation, pray for God to give you one. I pray that God give you one because we have to, we have to, we are, we are in a time period where God is requiring us. Okay. I've taken you out of the wilderness. It's time to cut some stuff, time to cut some folk before I even give you uh, this strategy uh, before I even allow them to, um, to before I even allow them to to fight before I even allow them even in the battle. So you can't don't you can't even say leader that oh my warfare is so great and I'm just fighting fighting. You're not even permitted in the battle in the battle until we until we reconcile some things until we are clear of some things because some people if you see them falling out now then let it go because god has already decided they couldn't be cut they wouldn't let you cut them you they wouldn't let you cut them so i've removed them before we even get to uh discussing uh, before we even get to discussing the strategy for the battle ahead, I've already removed them. Now, if, if once you if once you won a major victory and you can't even win the small victories like we see here with Joshua, they told them, you see, you can send less men. You don't even need to send. It's in a quarter, uh, half of a quarter. You don't even need to send a lot of people, two, three thousand, and we can take AI, no problem. And you can't even win the little battles. You can't even win the small battles. You need to find your aching. You need to find your aching because that person is disrupting the vision that God has given you. That person has already minimized what God has given you, just like was which was done. What was done here to Joshua, Israel? These people—they're the next generation. They're the next generation. They come through the wilderness. They crossed over. They crossed over. So don't think just because everything crossed over with you that it's of you. It crossed over and they got cut. They got cut. But they had one that didn't care for the covenant brothers and sisters, nor the covenant with God. That spirit of Achan only cares about what makes it happy and what gives it what it wants. So be careful because it only cares about what gives it what it wants leader what you don't want to be is the person that's giving it what it wants it only cares about what gives it what it wants for this spirit to be with the israelites for so long it went through the cutting it came through the came through the wilderness and it went through the cutting and you know it it but it, it got to the point where even the first victory they won but then when it came down to when it came down to following instruction and setting apart what what is God's and what is mine? It couldn't do it. It couldn't make it couldn't separate what God said it could have from what it wanted. So it had to have what it wanted. So it had been with the Israel. It you know, and I want I want to be I want to be clear on something because when you're when you're walking and when when that spirit of deception enter in, enters in. For this spirit to have been so long with Joshua and, and with, with the Israelites, that tells me that it also walks in manipulation because it had everyone thinking, every, every the spirit of Achan had everyone thinking, I'm with you. 
I am with you. I'm a part of you. So it's walking in manipulation and it's work walking in deceit. And uh, how do I know? It's because it's out of the covenant of God. It has no, re it's acting out of the covenant of God outside of the covenant of God. It is, it is, it has no relationship with God nor the people of God, which means it sees no value. It sees no value in those things. It sees no value in operating in unity. It sees no value in operating in the strategies of God. It sees no value in the execution thereof. It's so manipulative that it contributes in war and only just to get what it wants just to get what it wants. So the spirit fought with those who were fighting and with those who were in covenant, including the leader, just to get what it wanted. So this is a warning. This is a warning leaders. Be careful what you allow allow what spirit you allow into your ranks, uh, which is the rank of a warrior. It will, it will only listen. You're, you're of a warrior rank leaders, you're warriors, you're, you have a warrior rank and you don't want something in your ranks that all of a sudden is an opposition to God. Because I said earlier, it will, it will, it will, it will, halt your vision. All of a sudden where victories could be easily won, the smallest victory is hard to win. The smallest victory is hard to win. And we have to be clear because verse 36 of number 15, it, 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 it literally talks about people being stoned to death for breaking the Sabbath, for breaking the flow of God's instruction just for breaking the flow of God's instruction, for breaking his strategies, where they were literally stoned to death. They were, they were, they were literally put to death. And we're talking about the Israels being in, 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 in the wilderness and, and coming, coming out. And there were times when they, because they didn't follow God's instructions, they were stoned. They were stoned. So just imagine how how things, how God handles this particular spirit when it's a part of your vision. See, we're not, we're not, we're not beyond. We're none of us are beyond um a, a beyond a, a point of being without victory. The minute we step outside of the covenant with God. The minute we discount his strategies, the minute we, uh, people of God, see no need to be cut, uh, see no need to be uh, disciplined, see no need to follow instruction, because that, that is when those, that they are those that are not in covenant relationship with God and have no desire to be. So we've been talking about uh, the enemy of our faith, the spirit of deception. We understand that uh, every place that God gives us has limits. And that's important to understand because when you start, if you start thinking that you're going to go outside of those limits and you're still in covenant with God and he's still going to release vision and strategy to you, you, ma'am, sir, are walking in deception. We understand that we can't allow our freedom of choice to override the promises of God. We understand that if we do, now we are working in a misguided covenant and we fully open the door to deception. So now we have a misguided worship and we have established a treaty with deception. And because we've established a treaty with deception, deception now begins in us and through us to override the strategies of 
God because it has its own followers. And now we're receiving instructions as we walk in that spirit of deception at the altar of deception. See, and we built that. We build that in idolatry, through idolatry. We build that. And since we have built that, that, uh, that unfaithful altar, we are now walking in unfaithfulness. This is the spirit of deception, ladies and gentlemen. This is the spirit that God wants to expose to us as an enemy of our faith because this spirit is very subtle, but yet it's manipulative and it will come in and have you thinking that you are doing the will of God when in truth you're outside of the covenant of God. This is why I say that we have to reconcile our truths. We have to be clear that uh, what of what the word of God is saying to us, what instruction God is giving to us through our leaders and leaders. We have to be clear of the people that we have around us and that they are indeed walking in covenant with God. Now, I granted anybody can have a bad day, but now you got consistent bad days. You Victoria, you're uh, without victory. I say it like that. You're without victory every day. You can't win even the smallest of battles. Then we need to check the covenant. Who are you in covenant? covenant with what are you and who are you faithful to we have to be very careful and god is calling us to examine to examine these areas of our lives and make sure that deception has not entered in what areas examine the covenant who exactly uh, do you love? Who exactly are you following? Whose strategy, who's issuing your strategies? Is it your leader or are they strategies you thought up by yourself without even your leader's permission? Did he give you access to that? Did your leader give you access to, to develop strategies on your own that you alone are going to follow? Are we are we not walking in unity with the body of Christ? Are we, are we off on our own proclaiming I'm walking alone, but no, I'm walking alone actually so that I can do my own thing and do what I want to do. See, that's a deception. That's a deception. And that and that's a means of manipulating other people. You know, you, your problem is you don't know how to walk alone. See, I know how to walk alone. No, you're walking in deception because you're walking outside of the strategies of God. There's one thing to, to walk alone and walk with the people of God. When, I, when we say walk alone, we mean we're walking with God, walking in the precepts of God, in the counsel of God. We are obeying the instruction from our leader. We're fellowshipping with the body of Christ, not walking alone. Like I can't, if you can't speak to people, you can't, you can't be around them. You only can talk to, to certain ones. You only can talk to your leader. Let's be careful. That's manip you're manipulating. You're manipulating the situation for your own benefit, your own benefit. Let's be very careful. There's a, there's a real fine line a real thin, thin line between walking and deception and walking and covenant, walking, uh, following the Ark of the Covenant and following the priest that's carrying the covenant. Be very careful. Keep your eyes on the covenant. Keep your eyes on what your leaders are teaching. Teach. Keep your eyes on God. Keep your eyes on what they are carrying. They are carrying God, holding them up high on their shoulders so that you can clearly see him. They are pointing you to him. Now, if you make the decision that you don't want to look 
from a distance like that, but you rather look at the leader. Now we got a problem. Now we got a problem of mistaken identity. Be very careful. It's a very fine line. And we want to be clear, leaders and people, that we are indeed in covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ. We are following God, which means we can hear through our leader's voice. Uh, when it's time to be cut, we can hear the strategies that they, our leaders are giving us. And guess what? Above all, we can follow them. We can follow them in unity with our fellow brothers and sisters. That's all I have for you tonight. So let me pray for you before you go. Um, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you today for everything that you're doing. You're done in us and for us. And I thank you for what you're doing in us. I thank you that you're cleansing us from filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit and you're perfecting holiness in us. I thank you that you're opening our eyes so that we may clearly discern what is of you and what is not of you. We thank you now, God, and we give you permission to remove from us what is unlike you. Remove from us that which has its own strategy. Remove from us that which, oh God, has a different, a separate covenant. Remove from us, oh God, that which cannot walk in unity walk in unity according to the instructions of leadership. God, open the eyes of our leaders. Remove from them, God, that which is manipulating their love. Remove from them, God, that which, God, is counteracting their victories and counteracting the strategies that you have given them. Remove it from them, God. Cause them, oh God, to walk in complete submission to you, God. Cause them, oh God, to hear your voice and note those around them that can follow the instructions that you have issued, that can hear your voice through them. God, use us today. We want to be about our father's business. We want to be about building the kingdom of God. And to do that, God, we require to be able to hear you. We require God to be able to hear your instruction, to hear your strategy and to follow through. God, I crush under my foot the strategies of the enemy that would try to infiltrate that which you have given the leaders, God, in the earth realm. I cause it now to crumble under my feet and I cause their ear gates to be covered with the blood of Jesus that they may be protected from the enemy who would try to manipulate their love. I covered their love under your blood. I covered their will and their purpose under your blood, God. In the name of Jesus, I raise up, I build a blood-covered hedge of protection around leadership. In the name of Jesus, in the name of the Lord God, open the eyes, God, of the followers that they would see and open their ears that they would hear and know the voice and the likeness of their leaders in the name of Jesus. In the name of the Lord God, your perfect will be done. I invite your perfect will into the earth room. I open up a portal you can come down into the earth room and that your will could be manifested in the earth room through the men and women of God. 
your will be done and your kingdom come in this earth as it is in heaven. Heal, make free, and deliver. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. I thank you so much for listening to me on this evening. If you would like to donate to this podcast, the information will be on the bottom of your screen. I thank you so much again. And for those of you who are under the sound of my voice, listen, don't let go. No matter what happens, no matter what comes your way, no matter what the enemy tries to bring against you, no matter what accusation accusations he makes towards you, don't let go. Don't let go of God's unchanging hand. He's not going to change. You're going to change. You're going to change your mind. You're going to change your thoughts. You're going to change your words. You're going to change the way you walk. You're going to change. You're going to change the way you speak. It is you who are under the sound of my voice that are going to grow into the likeness and the image and the stature of Christ. Be blessed. And I'll see you on next week.